I've been warning you, telling you we're going to start a new series called Marketplace uh, Ministry. And I, I want you to, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want you, I want you to write Call to Restore at the top of your notes. Um, all throughout Scripture, we're reminded of the heart that God has for restoration. There are people in this building right now, there are people that are online with us right now that you need some restoration in something. It might be restoration in relationships and your health and your finances and your mental wellness. It might be restoration in your business. But I mean, praise God that God has a heart to restore. And, and not just some things, but all things that He initially put in place. Places that the fall, that sin, and that the enemy destroyed. Let me, let me just uh, give you a couple Scriptures to show you that. It's Psalm 51.12. David writes, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. There's some people in the body of Christ that actually need that joy of salvation restored to them. I, I, I mean, I remember when I gave my life, committed my life to Jesus, that, that, that something so fundamentally it just shifted. I remember getting baptized and feeling like I, I was just a new person, but sometimes life, Sometimes situations, circumstances, the things that we walk through, the collateral damage can really just kind of take the, it can kind of take the edge off your sharp. You know what I mean? You know, and you feel like you're just kind of dull with stuff. But I'm telling you what, even David here was going through that and he said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Amen. How about Psalm 23.3? He restores my soul and he guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Matthew 17.11, and he answered and, Elijah, and said, Elijah is coming and will restore all things. Somebody say restore. restore. You, know what, you know what I love about restore? Restore. Not restore. Restore. You get the store back. I mean, the enemy comes in to kill, steal, and destroy. And there's some things that basically he has stolen, and I believe that Jesus wants to... Walk in restoration with us. It says in 1 Peter 5.10, After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That word establish is also translated as restore. Jeremiah 33.7, it says, I will restore. Somebody say restore. Come on, this is the God that we serve, that we walk with. He's a restoring God. How many of you love... There's people that have a spirit to restore things. I mean, I'll see stuff and think, man, that's junk. Just throw it away. Somebody else will see it. Man, I can turn that into a treasure. Because they have a spirit and a heart to restore. Well, that's from God. So, in, in, in Jeremiah 33, 7 says, I will restore the fortunes of Judah and the fortunes of Israel and rebuild them as they were at first. And then Acts 15, 16. And after these things, I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen, and I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it. One of the things I don't want to talk to you about today is work. Ooh, a four-letter word, work. I'm going to make a case, and I believe it's a biblical case, that we have to have our theology about work restored. It's, it's gotten out of balance. 
How about some of those bumper stickers that we see all the time? You usually don't find real positive bumper stickers when it comes to work. You know, what you find is stuff like this. I had my life, but my job ate it. Right? Uh, work is for people who don't know how to fish. I know how to fish and I still have to work. Right? Or how about this one? I used up all my sick days, so I called in dead. Hard work never killed anyone, but why take the chance? I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Listen, these are the kind of stuff that this is the theology of our culture. It's the theology of our culture. See, we have a bad theology regarding work. It cuts both ways. We either have a bad attitude about work, or we we're workaholics. We gain our identity. We gain who we are by what we do instead of by who we are in Him. And so both sides can have the, have the extremes or, or maybe we choose to live a lifestyle that's constantly pressuring and demanding and not in proper priority. And this may come as a newsflash, but work was the first thing that God established with Adam. The first thing. Before worship. Got really quiet in here. <laughs> Labor was worship. Labor was response to God, service to God, and stewarding what God had created. It's almost like God said, I made this life. I gave you life. I created all this stuff. Now you get to steward it. And it was a blessed thing. Let me, let me read some scripture. I want to, I want to ground this biblically. So you're thinking, man, I don't know what that guy's talking about. So in Genesis 1.28, it said God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. There was a task. And then in Genesis 2.4-7, through this is what you really want to use your good ear and listen to. This is the account. How many of you got a good ear and a bad ear? I do. Okay, this is the account of heavens and earth when they were created in that in the day that the Lord made heaven and earth. Now no shrub of the field was yet in the earth, no plant of the field had yet sprouted, for the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a mist used used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. I think that's really interesting. It's like there was not yet a man to till the garden. Genesis 3.17, now we find after the fall. And then God said to Adam, then to Adam He said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground. Somebody say ground. It's the same ground that God created. But sin, cursed is the ground. Cursed is the ground because of you in toil, in toil. Somebody say toil. That's a four-letter word. Work, toil. Okay? Uh, you will eat of it all the days of your life. Now, work then became, think about this, the tool to use in dealing with the curse. This is crazy. There was also this discussion between God and Moses when the children of Israel were being delivered from the slavery of Egypt. They were working, but it had turned into slavery. In Exodus 7.16, they're having this conversation. Moses and God. 
And you shall say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you saying, let my people go that they may serve me. Somebody say serve. In the wilderness, but so far you have obeyed. That same Hebrew word for serve is also translated work. Or trans, I'm sorry, translated worship. You'll see some translations as so they may worship me. That same Hebrew word is translated serve and worship. Same thing. God is the ultimate worker. We were created in the image of God. And all of creation, and God is still working. God is still working. Aren't you glad that God is still working? Psalm 121.4 says, Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither sleep, neither slumber nor sleep. And then John 5.17, but this speaking to Jesus, but he answered them, My father is working until now, and I myself am working. Work is good. We have to get a new theology about work. See, I, I actually don't like the word retirement because I don't find it biblically. I find it the word twice in the Old Testament and, and, and it had to do with the children of Israel engaging in, in battle, engaging in whatever, coming back and retiring for a while to rest and then re-engaging. But what has happened is we've actually, uh, it's not a biblical concept and yet we built a culture of worship around it. We're actually telling, like, now, now listen, some of this stuff is wisdom for the day. Don't get me wrong, but we're telling young people, hey, you need to start putting away right now so you can retire. Life's goal is not about retiring. It might be for some of us about refiring. I like the word transition a lot better. I ran, I ran into a guy one time, I was, you know, hanging out in one of my favorite man caves called Cabela's. And I ran into a guy that basically, he was an older gentleman working in the fly fishing thing, you know, and said, hey, how do you like the job? And he said, he says, I love the job. He said, this is my retirement job. I said, really? He said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a retired engineer, but I love people. I love the industry and the perks are awesome. I thought, that's really cool. I like that. I like transition. See, we need to see work as a gift from God. What I find is when people stop, stop working, they die. There's something really good and healthy because God, it's a gift for God. Let me, let me prove this to you. Let me show this. How many of you realize Solomon was the wisest man in the Bible? Because God had given him a spirit of wisdom, gave him a gift that he wanted. So I want to, I want to just read a few things that Solomon writes in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 2.24. He says, there's nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and tell himself that his labor is good. This also I have seen that it is from the hand of God. Wow. Ecclesiastes 3.13 says, Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor, and once again, it is a gift of God. You see the law first mentioned, and then you see it, it, it mentioned again. It's like a reiteration. Okay, how about Ecclesiastes 5.18? Because I can tell some of you aren't convinced yet. Let the Word of God convince you. Here's what I've seen to be good and fitting. To eat, to drink, to enjoy oneself in all one's labor in which he toils under the sun during the few years of his life which God has given him, for this is his reward. Furthermore, as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, He has also empowered him to eat from them and to receive His reward and rejoice in His labor. 
This is the gift from God. We have to change our theology when it comes to work. Historically, there have been some damaging attitudes to work that have penetrated our culture and penetrated the church and penetrated our understanding. Uh, For example, in the classic period, the Greeks despised work and viewed it as an evil to be avoided. How many of y'all got teenagers? I'm just kidding. Kind of. Man, when I was growing up, my, my mom, I mean, I'm so appreciative of my mom because, man, my mom is just like, she was a worker and she taught us kids how to work. But you would get up like in the morning and on the refrigerator, you know, there would be like a big sheet, you know, for me and my two sisters. And it would be your chores for the week, your chores for the week, your chores for the week. And you were always hoping that your list would be shorter than your sisters, right? I mean, that, that's the deal. Or you didn't get what, I mean, I hated KP duty. I hated washing dishes. Cause back in the day, guess what? We were the dishwashers. I didn't even know what a dishwasher was, I think, until we got married. And, and maybe not even, I can't remember the first dishwasher I saw. It's like, well, that's a gift of God right there. <laughs> right? Oh, whoever invented that, man, they need, they, they, they need to be blessed. Uh, the Romans despised labor and, and thus a slave culture was developed because they despised labor. The Hebrews and the uh, Hebrew Jews and the Christians looked upon work as a normal part of life. No one was exempt. God set the standard because God was a worker and they were crea- they understood we're created after the image of God. Hang in there. I can just tell, boy, it's like, well, where's he going with this? But, 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 but listen, then there was the medieval period that began to separate work into two categories. It began to separate work into sacred and secular. It was never separated before that. The early, the early Jews believers just, they, 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 they didn't, they didn't understand that, but it wasn't biblical. Even, even Augustine and Eusebius, who were early church fathers, um, separated the secular and the sacred work that spiritual here's the here's the determination they made that spiritual work was superior that's not bible we got to have our theology shifted the reformation period praise god for the reformation period martin luther began to restore that the work of one's hands was also spiritual. And he actually rejected monasticism. Monasticism was like the extreme. You know, like, hey bro, if you really want to be special, go hoist yourself on the top of a pole for seven years and they'll just hand you your food and blah, blah, blah. And wow, you're really, you're really spiritual up there. Who in the world is stupid enough to live like that? John Calvin encouraged people to change vocations, began to shift some things. After Martin Luther, all work was regarded as service to God. And John Calvin encouraged people to change their vocations to their betterment. He said it's good to improve. Calvin also believed that because Christ was a transformer of culture, that Christians had a responsibility to transform the culture around them. 
And then you come to the Enlightenment period. How many of you realize there was all these kind of periods going on? So they came to the Enlightenment period. And in the Enlightenment period, and then the Industrial Revolution began to remove some of these things. They began to change the fabric again to what they were never supposed to be. It brought humanistic self-interest. Personal success was emphasized. No central purpose to glorify God. No stewardship, no servanthood, no moral duty to help the poor or needy. So work initially was given as a gift to man. It was the first tool to employ against sin. And it needs to be restored in its proper place and perspective. When I was a young believer growing up, there was this term, I think it's still kind of bantied around a little bit. It, you know, at the time, I, I didn't think much about it. It felt right. But the term was full-time ministry. And uh, that was like the goal. You know, if you, if you, you know, had some, you know, uh, you know, ministry, it had always been presented as working for the church, either full time or part time or volunteer ministry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we kind of break around these categories. I, I didn't, I didn't realize I was already in full time ministry as a believer. I, I didn't get that revelation. You know, I mean, Robbie and I had a, you know, we had a, a contemporary Christian rock and roll band and, and there was a guy that, you know, one of our, one of our, and his dad was a pastor. And I mean, the whole thing was like, we got to go on the road, man. We got to quit our jobs and go on the road. We even bought a bus. For, you, you, got, if you, you know, if you're going to have a band, man, you got to have a bus, right? We bought this 40 foot bus because we're going on the road. And we, we drug our kids with us every concert, every ministry that we did. That's why I say my boys grew up with a drug problem. We drug them everywhere. Every church service, every Wednesday night, every weekend. But basically the whole thing was, okay, uh, uh, we're working, but you know, we're just kind of working, you know, like the old Huey Lewis song, you know, working for a living, working, working. But we didn't, we didn't make the connection. Actually sold everything we had twice. Moved in with friends waiting for God to open the door of full-time ministry. Because anything less was not acceptable. And then I, had a, then I had a recognition. It's like, wait a minute, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. And, 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 and I came across 2 Corinthians 5, 18-21. And the... And the recognition was that I'm in full-time ministry, whether it's vocationally for the church or turning a wrench at a gas station in high school. I mean, I, I started getting I wish I had got it earlier. But in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 18-21, it says, Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry, ooh, there's that word, ministry, of reconciliation. Namely, that God in Christ that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. And we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Listen, you're an ambassador. That means you have a message and you have a ministry. Every person has a ministry 
being in Jesus. And so I struggled with my job until I realized and recognized the gift of God that had been given me and that I could actually be as effective. I could be effective outside the four walls of the church because I was carrying the kingdom of God with me wherever I went. That what the equipping, the empowering, the inspiration, the correction, ah, get it here and boom, I'm just going out there and I'm loaded. I'm ready to go. You need to have both. They both got to be working because that's what you see in the early church. So I eventually transitioned into vocational ministry, but I had this complete peace and fullness about what I was doing in the marketplace. And so I want to talk to you about this morning about the marketplace because this is what the series really is about. I just want to kind of lay a foundation for where we're going. I'm excited about it. I already know what Pastor Joel is going to preach next week, and I'm like, oh man, it's going to be so good. Jesus recruited in the marketplace, not the temple. Think about that. There was not one person that He recruited out of church. Temple church. Feel me. He recruited out in the marketplace. He went after disciples right where they were. Peter, Andrew, James, John, fishermen. Man, he just went right to where the fishermen were. Matthew the tax collector went right towards the IRS. Right? How about Simon the tanner? Luke the doctor. I mean, he went right where they were at. You see the pattern? Uh, um, Ephesus was transformed and it started in the marketplace. There was a business part- partnership between Paul and Priscilla and Aquila as they were fellow tent makers. Their first contacts were in the marketplace. Now I'm going to shake you up. How about miracles? There's over 40 miracles, supernatural events, acts of God in the book of Acts. Do you recognize that only one of them happened in the temple? Every other one happened outside the temple, in the culture, in the marketplace. The early, listen, we are more comfortable with miracles happening in the church. The early church was more comfortable with miracles happening outside the church. We see it outside the church. I was like, whoa, that is pretty good. That's over the top right there. Somebody just got healed. That's cool. But man, can, can we just do that in the church? I'm more comfortable because we're here. And that's not the early church. Paul writes to the church in Corinth and in three times in one passage, he says, only let each person lead the life that he was called to. So when I, when I, when I recognize that work was a gift, and doing unto the Lord made it a form of worship. I was called no matter what I did. Recognize you carry the kingdom of God in you. And wherever you go, you have the capacity to transform that place. The workplace is your mission. For 40 plus hours a week, you have an opportunity, the same opportunity the disciples had to bring the kingdom of God. Your job, your workplace, your business, your life purpose, all in one. I spent 17 years working within the church as I was, and I was also a UPS driver for 17 years. And the realization happened that, wow, I'm actually getting paid pretty good 
to deliver packages to people and develop relationships that, you know, I can, I can be with them when they are grieving, when they've lost someone, when there's a health issue. I can invite them to church. When their marriage was falling apart, I'm like, hey, that is the coolest job ever. They're actually paying me to basically be in relationship with somebody that at some point in time the kingdom of God can be shared. That's what we're talking about. You gotta, you, you gotta view your theology differently. It reminds me of the story of the Philistines. They had overcome Israel and they stole the Ark of the Covenant. And if you remember the story, they took the Ark of the Covenant and they took it to their little uh, temple. And they put the Ark in the Covenant in the same as they had their, their God, Dagon. Dagon God, right? I mean... And so they, 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 they do that. And then they come out the next day and they find out that their God is basically tipped over. It's like, wow, that was really interesting. So they set Him up again. They came out the next day and they found out that not only was He tipped over this time, but now His head was like off. And his hands were off. I'm like, listen, man, you. They were trying to have both. They were trying to entertain the presence of God and entertain like demonic junk. Say it's not so in the church. Say it's not so in our life. Because I'm telling you what, God is a jealous God. And so, you know, when I think about that story, I think about you have the opportunity to influence. You are a walking ark of the covenant because you carry the Spirit of God. Wherever you go, you have the opportunity to influence. And if you give up places of influence, you give up influence. Let me say it again. If you... If you give up places of influence, you give up influence. There's a story, um, personally, a, a pastor I know down in Meridian, Idaho. He's gone to be with the Lord now. His name is Pastor Everett Roberts. Just, uh, I mean, one of those just like amazing leaders. I mean, you just hear him talk and it sounded like, you know, Moses or something. You know, God. You know, just had that God. Just feel the Holy Spirit all over God. But what he did early on in his ministry was he encouraged people in his church, young people, anyone, get your education, get your trade skills, do whatever you need to do, and go out and be influential in our community. And you know, it, it, it's kind of crazy because he, he was saying, you know, become teachers, become lawyers, become government officials. And I don't know of another church that's had more of an influence in those areas than Legacy Church in Meridian. They have had principals and coaches and superintendents and city lawyers and government. I mean, it's amazing and because it's almost like it's a generational thing. They realize, here's how we are going to penetrate. We have too much of a picture of ministries, the platform with the lights on and a mic. Way too much. 
It's like, it, it's like in a way, now I'm not diminishing that, not demeaning that, because that's an important step as well for the church. But if you look at it, like for example, I think they say that only less than 3% of NCAA college athletes will actually go into professional sports. There is something here where God is moving in such a way and we're called to minister where we're at. Give up places of influence, you give up influence. Where are you taking the kingdom of God? Pastor Ed Silvoso said this, job is ministry and ministry is job. In 1 Peter 2.9, Peter writes, but you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. He's not saying that I am. He said you are. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession that you may proclaim, there you go, proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Carry the kingdom wherever you go. You are a portable ark of the covenant. You are a mobile ark of the covenant. So can I say this just to encourage you? Don't leave Jesus when you enter the building. Carry the kingdom wherever you go. Can I say this? Miracles are God's normal behavior. That's who He is. Your your desire to go into law enforcement, into the arts, into the trades, into education, into the government, into military, civil service can be the call of God to penetrate our culture and our community. You're called to be the stay-at-home mom that raises up her family is your call to raise up world leaders that are going to penetrate the culture, the community. That's full-time ministry, baby. Come on. We're all in it. You do something different than I do. You do something different than I do. I do something different than you do. But there's no like hierarchical... Well, he's the Pope. Yeah, I'm glad I don't have to be the Pope. I like to be with people way too much. Set an example by your ethic. Pray for your workplace and your co-workers. Ask God for divine opportunities every time. And expect resistance. Listen, demons make noise when they fall down. Right? It's not like you're just going to traipse in there and, and, and like not have some resistance because actually God wants to use you to transform the culture. Transform your workplace. Transform the educational field. Transform that schoolroom. Transform that, that, that athletic structure. Can I say this though? Be wise and gentle. Be wise and gentle. Don't go in there with your like your turn or burn sign. That's never. That's. An, I don't know if that's ever turned anybody into a kingdom follower. It usually just irritates them because we'd rather go in with like some self righteousness. We got a truth, and you need it too. Understand there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you're entering the marketplace, the work at workplace, and you're loaded for good. Exercise your gift.
Come on. Are you kidding me? Think about that. Exercise your gifts. Man, you're full of it. I mean, not full of it. You're full of it. Full of good stuff. There's also the fruit of the Spirit. People love fruit. I'm telling you what, you're loaded, you're packing. Be an example of love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. The Bible says in Galatians, there's no law against that. I'm telling you what, I don't know too many people that would be like, man, you're showing up to work, bro. I wish you'd just leave that kindness behind. I don't know if I can stand you being self-controlled. Said no one ever. Right? You got the, man, you got the, you got the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You got the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, you're going into every situation and you basically, you're just packing kindness, gentleness. Have some patience. Have some peace. And that's what people are, they're longing for that kind of fruit. You are irresistible if you walk this way. You can't help but change your culture. Listen, come on, y'all. You can't change, you can't help but change your house if you walk this way. And finally, God gave work as a gift. A lot of that has been skewed by sin. And it's also been skewed by religion in this way. It's not your works that save you. See, we come out of that and we're like, okay, I know I've not been a good worker, but i got to be a really good worker to make sure that God loves me and, and I get saved. Listen, no, no, no. He did the work for you. He already did the heavy lifting and it looked like this. That's the work that you don't have to do. That you can't do. You can't even come close to that. It says in Ephesians 2, 8-9, through For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now sometimes, our theology on works is still kind of, it can be kind of all over the place because we see in Ephesians Chapter 2, I think is verse 10, 9 and 10. It says that there were works that He purposed beforehand that you should walk in them. So work is a gift. It's good. But I want to just say this as we transition. Today the grace of Jesus would invite you into salvation through Him. Into life into transformation into His kingdom. That's the work that Jesus did. And that's the work that He wants to give to you as a gift. That's the gift of God. So I want to pray. I want to just take a couple minutes this morning. First of all, Lord, I thank You for Your people. And I pray, God, that, that there's, a different, there's a transition in how we think about where we are, where we're called. Doesn't mean you stay in the same place. Doesn't mean that you don't better yourself. Doesn't mean that things don't transition. But God, let let there be a peace. Let's transform that workplace, that community. 
Let us realize that we're walking in and we are that portable, we're that mobile, we're that moving ark of the presence because we carry the kingdom of God within us. Let it just change how we look at it. Recognizing every day, man, I'm going to have an opportunity today. And maybe there's not a great big thing, but I can always pray for people that I'm with, that I'm around, and then just watch what God is going to do through my obedience. And secondly, I want to pray this. If you're here this morning or you're with us online, and you've never taken the step to receive the gift of salvation, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith, and you've never responded to that invitation, Sometimes I think about how frustrating it must be for, for God to just, come on, I'm inviting you. Have you ever had somebody invite you and then you just kind of keep putting them off? Maybe today's a day where you don't put off that invitation any longer. But you say, I'm going to receive that invitation for life through Jesus today. I'm going to believe in Him. I'm going to recognize that the door of my heart needs to be open to handle His on the inside, and I'm taking the step right now to open the door of my heart to Him as Lord and Savior. If that's you, I would like you to just kind of raise your hand and let me agree with you right where you sit. If you're saying, today, I want to give my life to this Jesus. Thank you, sir. I want to give my life to this Jesus. Anybody else this morning, just listen, it's important. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Couple, couple ladies, listen, this is so good. God is so good. Lord, I, I praise you. Can we just give it up for people who are giving their life to the Lord? Come on. Woo. The Bible says angels in heaven are rejoicing over you right now. So good, man. I love it. God is so good. Listen, God's called you to transform the stuff that you're involved with. Can we just, can we just grasp that as the truth? Let's all stand.